Hey everyone, welcome to Unlikely to Apologize. I'm one of your hosts, Nikki. And I'm Heather. Hello. Hey, why do I feel like I haven't seen you in forever in person? Because when was the last time I saw you in person? Uh when we interviewed Philip. But but we haven't hung up like we haven't hung out. Well, like, but that doesn't count because I literally got there, interviewed, and ran out the door. And right. that was three weeks ago. Right. And I was just gonna say, like, we haven't hung out socially. Like not even podcast stuff, just like socially. Yeah. Well, you've been gone and then I was gone. So, um, yeah. So I was in Denver this weekend. I was Denver. It looked fun. Beautiful. Um, we got to, I got to go to Red Rocks. I love Colorado. Yeah. I got to go to Red Rocks, which is like, was on my bucket list. So we went for like a reggae fest on Sunday, which was interesting. Um, There's a girl I follow who lives there and she go, her and her husband go there a lot. So it was, is it as cool as it looks in like oh, yeah, it's videos? And- I do wish it was a, like a concert that for music that I was more into. I mean, yeah. it was definitely like a chill vibe and it was nice, but like, I was like so upset because Shane Smith and the Saints, who, you know, is like my like favorite band. They were yes. there like two weeks ago and I'm like, son of a bitch. We could, I could have seen my favorite band at a bucket list stage. Stop. Dang. Yeah, that would have so. been cool. Right. And so we did the reggae fest because everybody did want to go to Red Rocks. So you should go there. Um, well, it's a bachelorette other, party, right? Yeah. But the other cool thing I did, so I flew in a day early to visit my friend, Sarah, who I haven't seen mm-hmm. in like four years. I think I talked about this last week, but she took me up to the Stanley Hotel, which is where Stephen King got the inspiration for um, what's the red rum, <laughs> the shining. Uh, so I got to do a tour. She took me on a tour mm. and I took a picture Cause they like, they brought it. So they bring you into all these different rooms and I have pictures that we can share of like, I have a picture of me in front of room 217. I, I took a really nice, like art, artsy. I was trying to be artsy the whole time of the long hallway that you see in the movie where the, the girls are like, or his son's like on the tricycle and he runs through. I mean, I saw the shining like yeah. a million years ago. Yeah. And then I found out, or I, not that I found out, I didn't know that dumb and dumber was filmed there as well so I have a picture of me at the bar that he was sitting there waiting for Mary and I like sent it to my sister because you could see the background um so that was really cool um but one of the like creepy things that happens they encourage you to take pictures around the whole hotel and they bring us down to the basement and they turn lights off Mm -hmm. and I have a picture with like orbs at the bottom of like and when they turn the lights on, I look at the picture again. I'm like, there's no way light came from anywhere else. No, nope, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I have one really cool picture that has nope. that. Um, and then she took me up into the mountains. I went to Estes Park. Oh, we went there. I yeah. love it there. It's so pretty there. Um, and that. What did you guys do in Estes? That's where the Stanley Hotel was, actually. It was like right oh. up the hill. I didn't um, know that. So we just we stopped. I didn't. Huh? We were just in Estes. I didn't yes. know that. So if you go up higher or more north, I guess, yeah. um, I guess it's like right there, but we didn't like go into the park. We just stopped. I took a couple, we took a couple pictures. We walked into a little bit of it, but it wasn't like a whole day thing. Oh, okay. Cause um, that's where the Rocky Mountain National Park is. That's where right. we did like so, the fly fishing in that. Yeah. So we went to the actual like Estes Park. park. Dang. I wish I had known that you were going to be in Estes Park because they have one of those um, roller coaster things that it's like 
um i'll have to sh show you pictures but you it's like an individual cart thing that you sit in it's like in the middle of this mountain there and you go up and then like you control how fast or slow you go and it's like a roller coaster like but you're Ooh. all exposed and it I was so fun yeah no dang it I know. So it was kind of like my time was limited with out, like outside of the bachelorette because we had so many other things planned for the bachelorette. So I was, I was happy to get there, you know, the day early to do all the, like what she could, but I'm definitely going to go back to do more. And I want to bring John with me. So, um, hopefully we'll get to do that soon. I love it there. There's also a beef jerky place mm -hmm. that you can sample and it's like, oh, so good. I do you like beef jerky. jerky. Yeah. I did buy it's jerky called... there. Oh, what's it called? The beef jerky experience or something like that. Interesting. It's in like the square of like the town of Estes Park. That's cool. I don't, excuse me. I like my yawns, man. I'm so sorry, everyone. I'm just I'm catching up on sleep from a very long alcohol fueled weekend. Well, you were gone Thursday. Yeah. Were you on Thursday to yesterday? Yeah. So I left Thursday morning at 5 a.m. and I got home yesterday morning at 9.15 um, because I'm a crazy person. Well, I left early to get there early because I wanted the whole like extra day. Right. Um, and I figured the earlier I get there, the more time I have to spend with Sarah. And I left, yeah, I do I left early because first off, when I, when I travel home, I never leave on a Sunday. It's like my rule, get there the night before so I can wake up there and then never yeah. leave on a Sunday and like, don't work on Monday. Um, that's kind of like my thing, but this and I usually try to leave at a reasonable time, but like for flights, it was like $150 difference for me to leave at nine versus leaving at six. And I was like, I'm just gonna suck it up. Um, yeah. I didn't lose my flight, so that's good because that's happened in the past. So, oh my god, no, when we're going somewhere, I want to be on the first flight out because I want to get there and have that whole day. Right. I don't want right. to get somewhere like at the end of the day or at night because I'm like it's a whole day wasted. Right. So I don't mind doing the night before and waking up. Right. So like that counts. Like if I know that my full day starts on Thursday, I would prefer to leave like late Wednesday night, get there, okay, wake up. Yeah. I'm already there. Um, but if not, yes, yeah, the earliest flight out I want to do. Yeah. But coming home though, I don't want to be on that first. <laughs> I know I want to be home like mid like mid afternoon is perfect because you have to check out of the hotel or like Airbnbs by 11 anyway. Yeah. So I figure if you like check out at 11 and you're on like a one or two flight and you're on a nonstop flight and you're home by like six or seven is like perfect. See, that's too late for me. I want to be home like one, two o'clock on my days that I need to be home. Like I want like hours to just. Oh no. On the day charge. I'm coming home. I don't want to have to rush out. I just want to get home. Like I'll, I'm fine, but I don't want to get home super late because I like to unpack all of my stuff as soon as I get home. Of course you do. My suitcase is still sitting in the kitchen right now because it hasn't so, made its way to the bedroom. Shane, when he had to fly to Vegas for one night last week for work and his thing is still packed and he'll get dressed out of it until I unpack it completely. So I'm literally pulling stuff out of it to yeah. wear the last two That's days. That's won't bring it into my room. John, as soon as he gets home, unpacks or he does his laundry there. So he just has to unpack it and put it away. Like that John's crazy. Like, oh no. See, even opposite. if I when we went, I don't know where we just went. We had a hotel. We had a, we were in an Airbnb with a, a washing machine. 
but putting it in the suitcase, like I feel like it's wrinkled or it's like, I'll have, so I won't do laundry because it won't matter. I'll have to wash it anyway when I get home. But I do unpack immediately. Like the first thing I do is unpack. Shane doesn't. So he just leaves it until I unpack it for him. Nope. I will unpack this weekend. <laughs> oh, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm crazy. I'm just like, I'm, la- I'm not crazy. I'm lazy. Like that's really what it is. I will take out like my makeup and my toiletries because that's more important to me. <laughs> than yeah. The so, um, but anyways, let's talk about our guest this week. Kelly, Uh, Kelly Creech, uh, who was infectious with her like laughter and her smile, right? Like she's so, yeah. Um, the one thing that I can say about all of the interviews we've done, Kelly is the most positive person for everything she's been through. Right. And her outlook on life, it just it was more than inspiring. Like it was, it was the most incredible thing I've ever witnessed is to just like see how happy and positive she is given everything she's been through. Right. Her birthday bucket list that I love that. I love that. We talk about it in the episode, but I know Kelly, um, cause I'm very good friends with her brother. Um, and I've met her throughout the years. And one of the things that I always tell her is like, I like, not that I stalk her on social media, but I'm like every year for your birthday, I'm like, where are you going? What are you doing? (laughs) So like her and her best friend do these like really fun, like trips every year for their birthday. Cause they, I think their birthdays are like close to each other. Yeah. I think she she, said that they were, she's, she's great. Um, no, she just has this positivity about her that is just incredible. Yeah. And you can really hear it in her voice. It just. Right. For somebody. Uh, there's, who's, yeah. There's no way to explain it. Like you just have to hear it. Yeah. And it was kind of almost like nonchalant in a sense, like, yep, this happened to me. And I've, you know, and she does go on and say like behind closed doors, there's things that right. she, she's struggled with, but telling her story, she could have been more, um, almost like sad upset about it but it was very much like I kind of worked through this this is what happened this is how it went it was kind of this and it was almost refreshing because when we talk to certain people who have gone through traumas and through their healing journeys I always try to pay attention to like the tones of their voice when they're telling the stories because you could tell when you know something was just really bad she has composure about her to tell the story in a way that didn't necessarily and I don't want to say make you uncomfortable because that's not the word I'm looking for but like it was, it was refreshing in a sense that like, my God, how are you just so casually talking about this? You know, like, yeah, it was, it was very much like I've been through what I've been through and I don't want to give anything away. Like I want you guys to hear her story from start to finish how she tells it. Cause I think it's really important how she tells it, but it's, it's one of these things where it's like, you could be a victim of your circumstances Right. Or you could not be a victim of your circumstances. And I feel like with everything that she went through, she could very much be a completely different person. But it's like the choice she made was like, you know what? This happened. It fucking sucks. But I'm not going to let it define me. I'm not going to let it ruin my life. It's the opposite. I'm going to take it and I'm going to just live the best life that I can live. Right. So... It's great. Um, it was definitely like, and there were things that I didn't even know and having known her throughout the years. So, um, again, the one thing I have to point out is, you know, the doctor stuff, like 
them like not paying attention to things. Here we are with another story where, oh my gosh, you know, you, you know, you go to the doctor for all these things and you know, they don't know. Um, they misdiagnose you or they miss something completely or they diagnose you too late. Like it's just, it's, it's just a common theme when we talk to all these women and it's just, it always gets me, even though I know it happens, it always like enrages me when it does. Um, so. well, it's one of those things that you're like, there's no way that it happens this often. Right. Like, and I don't know where the, and I, I guess I shouldn't, I don't want to talk badly about anybody because I'm not a medical professional. There's not a chance in hell I could ever be, mm-hmm. but I just feel like there's, there's gotta be some way that some, somehow it could be done better with diagnosing people and testing people, um, and listening. I, I, I guess maybe there's, it's, it's there's something missing communication wise between patients and doctors and from all of the women that we've talked with, you can hear the, the disconnect between like the doctor saying this and you're saying this one thing. And I mean, we've both shared it's happened to both of us. I mean, I've had conversations with my doctor where I'm like, you're literally not listening to what I'm saying and you're not hearing me. Right. And that's the, that's the key word. I think it's the listening. It's the you know, and it goes back and I'm going to sound like a broken record. And when like, you're not, you're not, you know, that's normal period, or that's supposed to be that way. Mm, I'm like, I have this morning, I had my doctor's appointment and I literally told her, I was like, I don't feel like myself. And it was so refreshing to hear Well, I could tell from your blood work why you're not. I'm like, thank God. Like, cause I always feel like I'm a, I don't want to say I'm a hypochondriac, but like, I feel like I'm so in tuned with my body, especially right. because of everything I've been through that one slight thing off, I can feel it. And it affects me as in a whole, like as, as a whole. And, you know, right. I, I think I talked about it last week on, on our podcast, how I've just not been in it, like in anything that I'm doing. Oh, you've like, been saying it for for weeks now that you don't feel like you and you can't pinpoint what it is. Right. And it was so funny because this weekend, you know, right before we went to Denver, everybody I talked to has been, there was like the altitude makes you like swollen and, and all this stuff. There were pictures and I never delete pictures. Like it's Mm -hmm. just not my thing. I'm a person who does not care. Like you could put pictures up, but we took this one picture at one of the speakeasies that we went to and I was sitting down I had this cute little leather skirt on like a white bodysuit it was so cute and I just looked like a stuffed sausage like just swollen everywhere like even oh like my gosh my face, like if you looked at my stories and you see my face like it's swollen and she said something along the lines of like well, I, you're, she's like, your progesterone is high, which is when I told her I wasn't feeling like myself. She's like, but I don't know if it's too high, but I want you to pay attention to it. She's like, if you feel squishy and I was like, oh my God. And then I told her, because I kept telling everybody this weekend, <laughs> if whenever I went to, I needed to change, I was like, I got to get out of this casing. It's a little too tight because <laughs> oh I God. felt like a sausage. And so I was like, it was validating this morning to go, okay, this makes sense because yeah it was so it was so bad this weekend like oh I've gosh. never felt I've never felt uncomfortable in my skin like I did this weekend and you know me I'm a very like right yeah you're yeah. not one that cares I have still, yeah well yeah. you're you're just not one that like you don't you're not one to see a picture of yourself and pick yourself apart right like I'm the very I'm the op, like as soon as a picture is taken I'm like let me see it and I just look at it, I'm like I hate it yeah but you're not like that, right? Like you don't pick yourself apart. You don't pick your body apart. So I mean, I do say but that. I like no, a, but it's, yeah. you're not obsessive about it. Like some right. people are like, you're yeah. very much like, 
I love, you know, whatever. I love whatever it. it is, what it is. Put it out. Yeah. Put so for care. you to say that you felt that way, it, oh, that it is so very bad. unlike you. Yeah. It was very much like, I was joking all week and I was like, get me out of this casing. <laughs> oh. But to back to what we were saying with Kelly, that was the reason I love my doctor so much is because when I do say things, she does listen and she goes, she listens. Oh. Yeah. So, um, a lot of the things that I've been feeling, so anyone who's listening not to get off the subject of Kelly, but if you have a different, you know, or you're not feeling yourself and you do pay attention to hormones, apparently if your progesterone is too high, <laughs> um, it can mimic other things that you might like, it can even mimic depression. And I was like, well, this makes sense. I think I sent you the list yeah. because I felt like I told her, what? yeah, I told her today, I was like, I almost feel like I'm going backwards. I was like two months ago, I felt great. Um, and she said, you probably reached a balance and we probably should have stopped you there. But I was so late with my blood work. So I'm supposed to go every six months. Mm -hmm. I think I'm on eight months. So in June, which would have been my six month checkup, I probably would have been fine. And she probably would have told me to stop. Yeah. So stay on top of your follow-ups guys. <laughs> well, hormones are, hormones are interesting as well. And any, any slight thing, right? Like I just went and had my blood work. And I'm not even going to go through the list of all the shit that's wrong with me. Cause we'll be here forever. Right. Um, but I am very, very deficient in vitamin D and apparently that can cause all these mm -hmm. other issues. Like the adrenal fatigue, my liver, my kidneys aren't functioning properly. Like everything yeah, exactly. that's that whole list. Um, so if, if one thing is off, it can set off a whole chain reaction of other shit. And if you're not on top of it and you're not paying attention to it, it just keeps getting worse. Like I'm way worse now than I was a year ago when I went. Right. So. Whereas for me, as far as my Hashimoto's go, she was very proud of all that. So all the work that I've been doing has helped that. I'm still having issues with my thyroid, but progesterone, like I'm, because I felt crazy, like the last, whatever. Anyway. Well, you're never crazy. <laughs> I am when I'm not myself. Let's just, anyways, back to Kelly. You're like my okay. husband would differ. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so having that in, in the reason I just kind of went on that tangent, because I do have a doctor now and it's all, it's been a common theme for us. I think when we talk to everybody is finding a doctor that listens to you and she went to quite a few and she talks about it to finally get where she needed to be. So right. I really do hope that everybody enjoys it. And just hearing, as you said earlier, somebody who's been through so much that can just still be so positive is, is it's, it's definitely refreshing and I'm like, I know I'm, I'm, you know, friends with her, but like, I'm so proud of her at the same time. Like, cause this could have been, you know, a lot worse. Um, oh yeah. No, she's, she, she, it's a great, it's a great episode. And I, I didn't want to say anything she's been through. Cause like I said, you know, we want her to tell you her story. Um, and she will keep listening, keep <laughs> listening. So with that being said, if you do like what you hear, please rate us. Yes, uh, iTunes because that's the what we oh. are also we are also now on iHeartRadio. So I think I think anywhere and honestly, a lot of our listeners, what I'm gathering, are on Spotify as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you're listening on iTunes, rate us and leave us a review on iTunes. But if you found us on a different platform, please rate us and leave us a review on that platform as well. Right. Um, we would like to continue to grow and we need your help to do that. So the other thing too, is if you have any comments or feedback, 
any questions about what we're doing, what we've talked about, um, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at unlikely to apologize podcast. Um, and you can DM us there. You can get us on our private. Mine is Nikki underscore cams. I am Heather Lynn Flores. And you can also send us an email at hello at unlikely to apologize.com. Yes. We want to hear from you. Yep. So enjoy the episode and we'll talk next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, Kelly, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, Um, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Very nice to meet you. Nice meeting you. Um, I know we've been trying to schedule this for some time, so I'm excited that we finally got to sit down with you. Um, Why don't you take some time and introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Kelly. Um, I live in Austin, Texas. I've been here for almost 11 years. Um, I work for Apple um, here in their corporate tech world um, and loving it. Moved here for the job and love spending time outside with my fur baby, Monroe, named after Marilyn. I love that name. Um, And yeah, traveling, anything with water. Um, just trying to live life and appreciate as much as possible. Love that. So one of the kind of, so we're just to kind of like background, like I know I'm very good friends with your brother. Um, so you and I are friends on Facebook too, but I'm always so envious because you're always like traveling. And there's one thing that I love that you do with your, it's like one of your best friends for every year at your birthday, you guys like do a trip. So I'm always like, Ooh, Kelly's birthday. I wonder where she's going. <laughs> yeah. I have a, um, I do a thing just with everything that I've gone through. I appreciate life of course, um, and celebrate life. And I'm big on that. Um, so yeah, I try to do bucket list birthdays. So I, um, I don't work on my birthday. It's July 6th. So it's kind of right past the holidays. Sometimes I get a long weekend. Um, yeah. So I just got back from the Dominican Republic for my 40th. So so yeah, I, I love my birthday vacations too. <laughs> I love that bucket list birthday. That's, mm-hmm. I love That's that. Right I, have a, <laughs> I was going to say, I have a friend, um, Ashley, and up until COVID, we did a trip every year. Oh, um, nice. And then we haven't since COVID. Um, but I love that idea of that, yeah. but I love what you're calling it, bucket list birthdays. Yeah. My best friend, uh, Chelsea and I, we... I, we both love to travel. And so a few years ago, um, yeah, we just started doing it. And the last couple of years I've taken along like four or five girlfriends, you know, a couple of my guy friends this year. So, so yeah, it's good. It's great when friends can come along and celebrate you and, um, get to party together. (laughs) I love it. Heather's a big celebrator. She does like this half birthday celebration. She does, she does all the things. I, I love do it. love birthdays. I do have, but I <laughs> do it for like the day. Like, <laughs> no, it's my birthday month. My birthday is on um, Sunday and it's a, it's the birthday month. I, oh, yeah. as much as I can, um, I'll find any excuse because it's, it, it, what it really is, is it's an excuse to get the people you love together. Mm-hmm. I don't want presents. I don't want like a big, it's, that has nothing to do with it. It's more like, it's my birthday and we're going to go to dinner or it's my birthday. We're going to go do whatever we're going to go do. And people feel obligated when you say <laughs> it's my birthday. Yeah. They have to come. So it's really just an excuse to celebrate. Just 
having friends, I guess. I don't. Yeah, I love that. Not everybody likes to celebrate birthdays and things like that, which I get. It. Everybody has their reasons. I also am one. I'm like, oh, July 1st, it's my birthday month. But once my birthday hits, like Josh, my brother that you know, mm-hmm. his is in June. And once his hits, it's like July baby. Yes. So I kick off my birthday week, but my boyfriend's birthday is exactly a week later on the 13th. So I hand off the torch to him. He's like, <laughs> of course, he's a guy. So he's just like, okay, whatever. Yeah. My husband's birthday is actually my week 10 is days over. Before. Yeah. <laughs> his birthday is 10 days before mine. So like we just do his and then he's like, whatever. And I'm like, well, I get the whole month. So. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to celebrate yourself. We're going to celebrate me, but we're going to do something. Yeah. I love it. So, yeah. I'm right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that we talk about birthdays, one of the things you kept saying is like all the stuff that you've been through. So you want to celebrate life. Um, I think that's kind of a perfect segue to dive into why we asked you to be on the show. So why don't you kind of run us through your journey, your story and uh, tell us about it? Yeah, for sure. So um, like I said, I just turned 40 uh, this summer and um, going back 15 years uh this September I you know like any other college student enjoying my life doing my thing um and I've always kind of had female issues as far as like not a normal period um and it was like well you're athletic or you know you carry more weight in your stomach whatnot and um through college felt fine And then my senior year, right during graduation, I just gained a lot more weight, was just having a lot of not feeling great. Um, Thought it was just kind of the flu. So I started seeing some doctors and, you know, they thought, okay, kidney stone. They thought, okay, well, are you pregnant? Those kept coming back negative. Um, And then I finally moved away, moved back down to Houston near my dad. And I was actually driving to the movie to meet my cousin. And as I was driving, um, it suddenly felt like I had this stabbing pain down there and to the point where I couldn't even get into the movie theater, got sick, drove back home, kind of soaked in the tub for the night, went in, um, the next day they did a, a vaginal ultrasound, which is so painful when you don't want anything. Listen, the thing <laughs> about that is like, when you oh, tell you you're going to get it, you don't, yeah. you don't actually understand like what's happening. And then you're like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I had, I had never. Yeah. I can honestly say like, that was my first like vaginal ultrasound at uh, 25. And so the whole experience of like, wait, what? Like I'm already <laughs> feeling like pain. I can barely walk or be mobile. And I'm just like, the last thing I want is you to stick that in. Um, (laughs) and so, so they do, and, you know, they, uh, come back with, um, you have a ruptured cyst. So they give me some prescriptions and to, to go back, you know, I'm right out of college with an education degree, ready to like teach and always had like, you know, go to school, go to college, get a job. Like I was on a path. Um, and it just kind of stopped. Um, and so that kind of started my journey of like almost a year of being misdiagnosed. Um, I was misdiagnosed there in Roswell, um, gave me some medicines, did what I needed to do. Um, and, and I saw the ultrasound and 
it looked just like a black mass, but what do I know? Um, and so then in New Mexico, went, my mom and stepdad went on a trip. And so I flew up to watch my two baby brothers who were young. Um, I was babysitting them. Thankfully, my grandparents were in Rio Doso. And because I started having that pain randomly in my stomach, not in my vagina area, but my stomach. So I called my grandma and I'm like, I think I need to go to the emergency room. Can you come watch the boys? So she went with me, Grandpa stayed. And they misdiagnosed me again. They said, well, you might be pregnant. Like I cannot have sex right now. Right. Like, how many, how many doctors is this? What? Three, four now? It ended up being three total, two in Texas and one in New Mexico. Um, in New Mexico, they thought I had kidney stones. So they put me on a bunch of antibiotics to try to break those up. And then I flew back home, just so drugged up in pain. And it was actually my dad. So I come from a big football family. Like I don't have sisters. I have all brothers, my grandpa, my dad, everybody coaches football. Like I love football. Um, and it was the high school uh, doctor, the team doctor. My dad was like, I'm driving. I was staying with him at the time. He's like, I'm taking you to him. I was like, okay. Thinking of, you know, he helps right. football guys. Like <laughs> this older gentleman. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, and still hadn't been exposed to a whole lot. So like, usually I do female doctors, but whatever, I'm desperate. So he was actually the one that did some tests, found blood in my urine, did, you know, tried some different meds. And I just really got worse within three days. Um, my stomach grew to the point where just, I felt like something was moving. That was the thing is it felt like I was pregnant, but I wasn't pregnant. I kept mm-hmm. feeling something press on my left lung, then on my right lung, then it just stopped like car rides, anything. It was just painful. Um, so he got me in and I knew something was wrong. My, my, uh, aunt came over and got me and I knew something was wrong when the radiologist kind of started acting weird because they're not supposed to say anything, but you know, they keep calling more people to like double check. Um, and at that point, the radiologist kind of broke the rules a little and said, Hey, pull my aunt and I in. And was just like, I want to show you these scans that I'm going to send back to your doctor. I was like, okay. And so he sent, he pulls them up and he says, you have a large watermelon in your stomach. Um, that is a mass as well as your right kidney is completely full with a, like the size of my pinky, uh, a staghorn kidney stone. Those are those funky ones that look like trees that like never go out. Yeah. Never heard of that. They're like little horn, horny ones. Um, And so, yeah, that started like, I would think kind of the worst day of my life, but there were several after that. Um, So I have a question not to interrupt you, but how long was it from the first pain where they said you had a cyst rupture until this point? What's the time span? Oh, like nine months, 10 months. Oh, wow. I've been living okay. with this for about 10 months off and on. Uh, yeah. And it was by the time I got on it. Uh, so I started really kind of feeling bad in December of 2016. Um, and then I would say this, 
the cis rupture was right after I remember it because it was right after the Houston rodeo <laughs> and all the concerts yes. um, so I was like at least I got all that in before <laughs> um but yeah so almost a full year until he kind of took the time you know I couldn't keep my medicine and stuff down and so I went in and um had to sign at the age of 25 um uh, radical hysterectomy and just kind of go through that of like we don't know what ovary this is on and this is possibly you know 13 plus pounds um which oh, if anybody imagines like you imagine somebody carrying a nine pound baby a 10 pound baby mine was right. over 13 pounds That's um, and yeah. so it was in, it was in your reproductive area. Cause they, you said they didn't know whether it was left or right ovary. It was just in the whole area. Yeah. It was, that was, yeah. Ultimately what I was feeling was the growth of that. And so it took, as you can imagine, my whole cavity up, pushed my lungs out, pushed everything. So like me being in a car, just movement was painful, especially speed bumps. Like, oh my um, goodness it was just, it was horrible, you know, and I couldn't eat, I couldn't keep yogurt, I couldn't even take medicine. Um, And so I remember getting that news. And then I had to find, of course, a doctor, then just to think, I'm not on insurance, I just got out of college, I'm looking for a teaching job. Talk about prices, you know. Um, And so I came up here to Cedar Park, actually north of Austin, with my aunt, my uncle, they were just moving up here. I found a doctor. Uh, she was here at St. David's on 35 and went and saw her. And she was amazing. Um, she was surprised and not surprised that they had misdiagnosed it. Um, and Nikki, I want to say you and John like came down to Donnie's and Jose's like right when they moved in. And I might have had it at that time. I'm pretty. I was I just thinking because you, you mentioned your aunt. And I was like, I do remember that was our first trip to Texas. We stayed there. Yeah. I think I met you. OK, I was like, I remember you come into the house around that same time. Um, Y'all were coming that was right through. Before, that was right before we moved. Actually, oh, okay. no, 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 no. I'm sorry. That was like 20 are still living up yeah 2015 I yeah. think yeah so it um yeah it was just crazy and so of course my parents the troops came in um and I I just remember walking around my aunt and uncle's house of just like wow like the last thing I felt I mean I wanted kids Josh and I, um, my brother just have always said, Hey, we're going to live our thirties. We're going to or live our twenties, excuse me, and go to school, do what we want to do, live life. And then when we turn 30, you know, we'll start thinking about kids. Josh definitely did that <laughs> on the <laughs> dot. Um, and you know, so to suddenly be like, Oh my God, I don't even have a choice. Um, and you know, but then you have to think your life is more important um some of the things that we've like talked on because we've talked to a few different women when it comes in and for uh Heather and I have our, have our own stories that we've shared and that feeling or that thought especially when you're put in like a medical position because of it it's it's a weird thing to kind of accept because it's it's this like well 
why, like, what, like I could say like, I've had my moments of like, why me or why this, or why did this happen? Right. Because you think of all the things that can happen going through that, as you just mentioned, like, what were some of the things that you like went through as far as processing it emotionally, but also trying to convince yourself that this was the best path for you? Yeah, it was one of those of um, just kind of going back of like, you know, there's really no choice, but the I was already in so much pain and being so young and outgoing and I really couldn't do anything and I had already taken up so much of my time and I just really wanted, I was so scared, right? I'm just like, get it out. Um and I was willing to do as horrible and sad of moments it was, um, was willing to do anything I needed to do to kind of gain my life back. I have a, I have a question on that. So with the, the mass or being so big, mm-hmm. there was no way to just take that out, right? Or was it we can take this out, but it could come back? Or was it like, it's just so big, it's attached to everything, everything has to come out. Yeah. So um, originally the first, so it was, Hey, we don't know what size it is. So we're going to, you have to sign a radical hysterectomy. Cool. Got all my paperwork done. Um, And I went in surgery was long. They, because it was so large. So I have pictures of it. um, But if y'all can imagine a large watermelon, it's kind of in a bowl but they have a regular school ruler to, to measure it. And it's as long as that. And it makes the ruler school ruler look so small. Um, and they ended up having to completely retract me open. Um, and so from right below my boobs around my belly button and down, um, I have, they completely opened me up to take it out make sure they got it all but also kind of wash all my other organs and do what they need to do to kind of put them back um and kind of heal me so I had like uh 57 58 staples down my stomach wow and was in the hospital for like several days um but it was one of those hey we're gonna send this off see what happens um and then I was at my great grandmother's um and that's I got the call that it did come back at stage two ovarian cancer it was a very rare form um and we kind of needed to you know do what we needed to do now thankfully the removing the entire tumor (laughs) which had uh ate or absorbed my whole left side, uh, my tube, as well as my ovary. But because I was so young and the doctor here was amazing, um, they were actually able to scrape it off the left side and save my right side of my ovary. Like, so my right ovary, so my left ovary and tube were taking, taken as well as the mass. You can actually see the tube, like, in the picture of them I'm like that's insane isn't um, it crazy to like see those pictures because when they yeah. I always ask to see my pictures afterwards because after mine I was like what does it look like oh yeah I, was I, like, I mean I don't want to take them home I don't want to take them <laughs> home but I definitely want a photo just because it's I want to see and then once I see it I'm just like that blows my yeah. mind right 
Right. Um, it's it's insane to think that something that large can like I know that we can hold babies, right? But like just but that's what it's for. It's for a baby. Like you don't oh. think of like a mass or something else being there and that it's just growing. Women well, 13 are, pounds is bigger than the normal size baby. Oh, yeah. I mean, women's bodies, though, I will always say this, like they're beautiful, all shapes, forms, colors, but we are built to be badasses. Like, <laughs> oh, for sure. Wonder Woman is like, I mean, I have Wonder Woman everything. It's one of the things I collect, but I really have to channel that one inner wonder woman a lot just to because life is hard as it is and you throw these like I mean you know like these surprise medical things and you're just like really like life's already testing me enough like I don't have time for this I always like every time I got something new I'm like really we're going through this again like yeah I got enough (laughs) right but like y'all are saying I'm also very surprised and just I mean what our bodies are capable of and what they can withstand because yeah the experience of just carrying that I can't imagine carrying a 10 pound baby uh let alone just a solid you know Mm-mm. nothing right. um so yeah so you get the call that it's a rare form of ovarian cancer mm-hmm. so what were like the next steps or what did you have to go through was there treatment you had to do or because they took it out you were fine it was just a matter of watching it like what did the next couple of like months look like yeah, for sure. So it was following up every three months, uh, lots of blood work and kind of checking my scars and whatnot. So the thing about it is, remember, I had the kidney stone. Oh, we forgot and, uh, about that. <laughs> forgot about the kidney stone. What happened with that? So before, oh so yeah, so that was uh, September 7th. Um, I got out of the hospital, I guess it was September 11th and then or 12th. And then um, I had hoped to have um, the kidney stone and everything removed at the same time since they were going in, just like, why not? Um, And so I went to an awesome doctor. She's the best like urologist in the world, Dr. Pearl in Dallas. Um, And she looked at it. And of course, it's a rare form of kidney stone. Rare is my like middle name. (laughs) Oh my goodness. You know, I do everything big. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, so she basically told me, because we were hoping like she could just come down, they could do like this double surgery. But because of how my kidneys formed um, and the stones were, they were not able to do it at the same time. So they had to decide what what surgery is more important. So they, I didn't even fill the kidney stones, of course, because- I mean, you had a 13 pound mass. Yeah, I had to- So they take the tumor out in September. Um, I let that heal because to do the kidney surgery, I have to be on my stomach. Oh. So I let it heal from September to December. You had a kidney stone for that long? Oh, like even before. Yeah. And so, because I couldn't lay on my stomach with all the staples and with everything. And they took the staples out before, but, you know, letting it heal. Um, so then I came back down to a different hospital, met somebody who practiced under uh, Dr. Pearl. And it was the first time they had done this surgery at this hospital here in Round Rock um, and or Cedar Park. But they uh, had to fly in like the equipment, the tools. Uh, it was definitely a Grey's Anatomy moment. Right? Like, 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 oh, my God. Y'all. 
so I roll in and they're like, do you mind having, and at this point I'm like, I don't know, like, I just want to get better. Right. And I'm also come from a very like open mom and uh, we're very open with medical stuff and, and whatnot, but I go in and they are like, all right, let's put your catheter in. And I'm like, what's a catheter? I'm just oh, see. <laughs> so, so they roll for like your for the first surgery they probably put that in when you were asleep After. yeah yeah I've never had one like they put it in away no drugs oh I had five medical students down below with the doctor I helped turn the tv over the screen a little to the left so they would have a better view yeah. and he, he went into tying knots like it was fishing <laughs> holy crap and they were like do you mind if we bring medical students in and I'm like I mean sure I guess not like why not and so they're all they're all crammed in there you all know how small those doctor's offices are so it's just like that's why I had to help like y'all need to see the screen let me you know move it over a little uh so that was when they put it in and they rolled me up into the room to prep me and I could see the it reminded me of Grey's Anatomy. I could see the gallery. Oh. <laughs> I'm like waving to people. They put me on my stomach and then they just like bare ass, bare me. Oh, wow. And I'm like, so I, I say a lot that I've mooned a lot of people in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> well, of- you have a sense of humor about it. I mean, I right. feel like, I, although I, I do feel like once you've had so many medical procedures done mm. that you just become like, numb to it yes especially like any evasive like invasive any kind of thing like by the end of the day you're just like all right you want to let the whole (laughs) class of medical students in come on in oh yeah if you would have asked me like a year and a half two years later if I would have like had my legs spread and let like five random medical students come into my doctor's appointment to observe I would have been like uh but again it's again it's like it's rare they want to learn Right. Hey, uh, my hysterectomy, they had the same thing that Dr. Cowan was like, do you mind if I have some medical students come in? Because I way that mine was set up, it was kind of similar. It wasn't a rare thing, but the what was happening and how it was growing, they had we had to match my surgery to my cycle because we needed my uterus to be expanded. Oh. Um, so they, they he was like, I, this is going to be like a good surgery to show my students. I'm like, oh, okay. So like, I'm like the prize student right now. Thanks. <laughs> Oh my gosh. The golden, the golden. You're the, you're the prize procedure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that surgery. So I was in the, I was in the hospital for that one for, uh, five days. Um, I was bedridden. They had basically, uh, stuck a tube between in my back, between my ribs and into my kidney and left it there, uh, for five days. And, I am one rare person that I can say I peed out of my back. (laughs) (laughs) I love your sense of humor and I love like how you're taking something that could be so traumatic to some people. And I'm sure in the time, in the moment, like back then that it was, but I love that you're able to kind of like make jokes and laugh about it now. It just shows like your healing journey. And I just, I think that that's really cool that you're able to like, make the, the jokes like kind of mix that? it in yeah kind of mix it in that's it's how I I deal with it honestly like I definitely have my dark and scary moments and nighttime and 
when everybody's asleep and it's quiet and you're in your head, those are the hardest times when going through the stuff. But um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, I would say maybe a mask that I use sometimes just to get through. And it, it just makes me, it helps me deal with the negativity and the bad things that are going on. If I can spin it anyway, um, right. you know, my, uh, anesthesiologist, they're my favorite bartenders. When they walk into the room, I'm like my favorite yes. bartenders, let me tell you what cocktails we need <laughs> to make sure I don't have a hangover tomorrow. <laughs> yes. I always go through, is it, you got the whiskey ready for me? Like like all my surgeries, I'm like, where's my whiskey? (laughs) They're always like, you're going to be that one. Right. And I'm like, we're going to celebrate all the way until you put me out and hope I feel good tomorrow. (laughs) I always go out crying, thanking them. The anesthesiologist, like, I'm like, thank you so much. Like, I love them. Like they're my favorite people in the room. I always thank them and love them. They're the, they're the best. So. after you had that surgery, you spent the five days. So now it's a more of like starting the heal. Not only are you like mentally having to heal from all of this trauma, but you're also physically healing. So what did that kind of look at? What kind of tools did you use? Did you have to do any type of therapies? Like what did yeah. all look like? Yeah. So once I got out of that uh, surgery in December, of course, I was still following up for the ovarian stuff. And then I followed up with the kidney stuff in January. Um, and you know, taking it easy, listening to my body. Um, what was really hard, of course, you know, when they give you that 10 pound limit, like my purse, I can't oh. keep my purse under 10 pounds. Like, <laughs> <shoot>. <laughs> so, um, and then the scar tissue, like I had to do a lot of scar tissue therapy, um, and just being aware of my, my incision. I think I was just so scared. Um, and I've had like little scars, but now I had this huge scar going down my stomach, you and know, what did the scar in your back look like from that? Was that a big scar as well? Or that was, a oh, tiny it was super tiny. That was um, a little okay. Yeah. Super tiny to the point, like they didn't even really stitch it up. Um, they kind of just plugged it. And my grandma okay. was kind of my nurse for a while till it, it naturally closed. Um, which was kind of crazy. I was like, y'all sure you don't want to close that? And they were like, no. Hole uh, in your body. <laughs> yeah. So I basically, you know, just did, didn't really have any physical therapy. Like I said, just doing scar therapy. Uh, my mom's really knowledgeable about that. So different oils and lotion um, and just trying to stick to my restrictions, um, which is hard. <laughs> right. I imagine. Um, so did- did you have to do any kind of um, chemo or radiation for the ovarian cyst or the no. ovarian cancer? Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. The tumor, um, I did not have to do any chemo, thankfully. The tumor was contained with everything that they removed. And then while I was in there, they kind of did some samples to make sure yeah. that, you know, what they were leaving was safe. Um but to answer your question earlier, it still went into that. I have one left, right? And so um, we're now in getting close to the following summer. And um, I go back in, had to have another kidney little shakedown in between uh, to really get it out. And I go back in July or June of the following summer and 
went in for my blood work, went in for my scans. The blood work came back fine, but the scans found two growths on my right ovary. I found this out again on the phone. I was at work. Um, I was kind of working uh, in New Mexico for the state as like a social worker, uh, family facilitator type thing. And one of my cancer buddies who's still going through her thing um, worked with me. And thankfully she was right outside the hall. And uh, I just walked out and told, walked to her office, told her. I was just kind of in that black, t- like the shock, you know, I'm at work and it's not something I just want to tell everybody. Right. And so I, uh, my mom worked at the hospital that I go to as well. So I drove over to the hospital to my mom's office, kind of got in for scans. And um, at that time they had decided, Hey, we don't know, you know, it looks like it could be cysts, but you have these two growths on it. And they gave me the option again. They were like, before we do this, we need you to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Do we want to go in and try to scrape the cyst off and, you know, keep everything for, because again, I'm like 26 at this time um, or so. And so they, uh, I went on a work conference trip that I had to go on and made that decision. Uh, did a lot of crying and drinking. And my mom uh, is a pelvic floor therapist and oh. really big into women's health. And she was just like, I want you to do what we got to do to keep you healthy. I do not want like she was just adamant of like you do not want to go through a hysterectomy especially a surgical hysterectomy if you could prevent it so young and she's like I deal with patients all the time that you know this it doesn't benefit them they just they do it to get rid of it right so it's interesting you said your mom's pelvic floor when I was going through all of my stuff um that was one of the uh routes that I was to take before having, and I didn't do a full one. I cut my ovaries, mm-hmm. but one of the routes was to do pelvic floor because what was happening with me was whenever I ovulate, my uterus would expand and push on my sciatica and then it would go oh. in hips. So one of the things that they decided was that maybe if I strengthen the pelvic floor, my body would be able to work through it and it would help in the movement, but it was still repetitive. Nothing was curing it. And I remember when I sat with the doctor as just like your mom said, even at my age at 30, what was I 36, they still considered me young to have a full hysterectomy because they still didn't want me to, you know, pre-menopause or perimenopause, forget the actual terms because Mm -hmm. of what your body actually goes through. So Mm -hmm. that hearing that it makes me feel a little bit better because I worried like having it or worried that leaving my ovaries was probably a, a bad choice or if it was a good choice. Cause you don't really know, right. How your body's right. going to react to all this. But, it's like you want to do something that you want to keep it, but you're yeah. like, but is this going to like harm yeah, me? Yeah. You know, right. it's almost becomes an enemy in your own body, even exactly. though it's an original part of you. <laughs> right. And John, John said something to me that I laugh about all the time. He's like, I just don't feel comfortable with them just taking organs out of your body if they don't have to. And I was yeah. like, yeah. And so we gave it, I did it for seven months. And just without to any avail, I couldn't like it's it was happening routinely every month. So I like looking, I made the right decision, but that yeah. feeling going like what like literally they're taking a, an organ, like this is a part of me. It was like a weird like yeah. mind fuck. Well, so I have a question for both of you then, because I haven't had to have any organs removed. Is there a 
and this, I don't know if this is too personal or, or whatnot, but is there a moment in considering, right? You're not just removing an organ, you're removing an organ, a female organ. Is there a moment that you think, am I going to be less of a woman if I remove this particular part of my body or this particular organ? Is that something that was, because I know, so I have my own infertility issues and, and we did all of that and just not being able to conceive had those feelings of like, I'm not a woman. I'm not able to give my husband a baby. Like, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering if it's, if it's a harder feeling to swallow having an actual, one of those organs removed that kind of identifies you as a female or a woman. Right. I know for me, it was, I definitely had those thoughts because again, that's not to be in like my political self or whatever, but that is one of the things that defines us is the ability to have children. Right. You know, and by taking that away, it's almost like, am I taking my womanhood? I think about men when you, you know, when they get snipped, right. We're mm-hmm. taking away their manhood. Exactly. It's kind of, yeah. it's kind of the same thing um, where I think me and Kelly might be different is I still had my ovaries. So that makes me a little, you know, made, made the decision a little easier for me. Um, but now I'm dealing with my own stuff where I'm even questioning that because I'm still going through things. But for me, it was, it was a hard thing to accept. And I had to remind myself that obviously there's more things than me having a womb that would make me, you know, a woman. Yeah, for sure. No, I, um, I definitely did throughout. It was really hard decision because it's, it's like, you don't have a choice you don't have any say in it it's like that right is being taken away from you no matter what and so it's just like heartbreaking um it might be a little bit easier for women who don't want to have children but again like you said Nikki it's like you still have a sense of like that's your woman like those are your parts you know and you think female and you know you think these organs and it's just like they're slowly like in our, both of our cases, you know, like, let's take this part, let's take this part, like, we're trying, and I'm like, I picture the whole picture, you know, and I'm just like, (laughs) like, it's shrinking, I think, too, like, looking back at it, I was told in my first surgery, I had blockage in my tube, so I already knew that, like, my tube, like, my one tube wasn't working, so, like, that, too, so I had different stages, and I think being Mm -hmm. younger, I wasn't so aware of it, I think this past surgery, Cause this was kind of, for me, was like my, this is the final, right? Like yeah. no more of these bullshit surgeries are just going to go in and clean you out. But yeah. you said something that I definitely felt was it's, I don't have a choice in this. And it's not that I'm saying like somebody who has fertility issues is saying you don't have a choice. There's, there's other ways to conceive, but when you take, exactly. when you take it out, the ability right. to actually carry and have a child is taken from you. That's the part that I think I had a hard time with because even though I couldn't necessarily conceive or no, we knew I could conceive, I couldn't carry Mm -hmm. at this point, but even though the option was still there for an implantation in a sense, right Right. Mm -hmm. now that's gone completely. Like that was probably the hardest thing for me to be like, if I do this, I remove that option as well. Yeah. It's when the options start getting smaller and smaller and smaller and And you're right. It's like, as we all know, I mean, to not, especially if you want to have your own biological child and carry and experience that, and then to be told you can't, you know, whether it was taken out surgically or it's just 
stuff's not working. It's just, there's just some part of you that feels a void and feels empty. Mm -hmm. Um, But my, um, after I removed the left side um, and went through that, I was kind I was pretty hopeful. Uh, My mom actually um, had a football size cyst removed surprised her when she was 16 um, and was told she couldn't have children because she only had the right side Um, and medicine has thankfully come a long way and she did what she could um, to have children she had four healthy ones I you know I uh, tell my brothers all the time like I broke the seal and helped bring you know lead the path (laughs) (laughs) after me it was just like you know hey <laughs> so I have a question is so your mom had similar experience is any of this like genetic did they ever talk to you guys about that yes uh my grandma had like weird periods and really never had one had one like once a year uh kind of like I did my mom's kind of had her own uh female issues but it I actually took like the BRCA test and different things, you know, just to make sure, cause that was one of my concerns. Okay. Like what if I do have a child, um, I don't want to pass this down, um, can or you, whatnot. Can you explain the bracket? Well, is the bracket test where they test to see if you have any of the cancer genes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I tried doing that. Um, when I was going through all my stuff because my grandmother had breast cancer and I wanted mm-hmm. to do that. They told me I had to have, um, an immediate, person and it had to be a certain I had to be a certain time frame of like a certain amount of years from the age of which she was diagnosed so they just do it for you even if you're paying for it my insurance wouldn't cover it so I would have to pay out of pocket for it being young and not wanting to spend thousands of dollars to get a test done but it's interesting to I mean I guess if I had cancer it probably would have been different like you were probably able to do it and covered because you already had gone through it but mm-hmm. can you explain a little bit more what that test is like yeah it's a simple test and I actually they mailed it to me and I did the whole spitting and and whatnot but it's just really good it will tell you um because breast cancer does run in my family as well as several other different kinds and so it's just kind of good to um check when things like that pop up or if you do have a big history um it's actually uh, Angelina Jolie um she actually did that test Mm -hmm. and her after her mom and hers became was positive and she went ahead and was just like you know take them I I know that's that's kind of where I was at I remember that story and I I was the same way like I told my mom I was like oh my god like I swear if this comes back positive and I have to lose the girls I'm gonna lose my shit um, See, that's different than I was because I was like, if I have to lose the girls, that means I can get like real ones that stand up here, right? Fifteen-year-old tits again. Well, and yeah. So, <laughs> well, mom was like, well, you could get them and they'll make them up and perky. Yeah. You might have, you'll get designer nips, like it'll be fabulous. And I'm like, that was, yeah, that okay. was kind of where I was going with it. Not that I wanted to have it, but I'm like, I can have pretty boobs again. Yeah. But oh again, gosh. it's just like, you got to do what you got to do. Right. And if you can catch it early, um, it's, it's better to catch it earlier than too late. 
Leave it to me to take something so sensitive and be like tits. (laughs) Well, um, so, uh, I want to take you back to, we kind of got sidetracked, but so they found two more masses now. Mm -hmm. And so what, what did you end up doing? Like, what, how did that play out? Yeah. Um, so talking to my mom and just what was going on and again, being so young, I just wasn't ready. So I made the decision to try to save my ovary. Um, at this point they were going to do, I was in, they didn't have a specialist there. I have all specialists everywhere. (laughs) And so I had to go see a specialist in Albuquerque. Um, and I told them, I was like, Hey, let's try to save it. And she was like, okay, we can do that laparoscopically. Um, I went and saw a fertility, a fertility specialist who went to school here in UT was so hot. He was wearing scrubs with cowboy boots, y'all. Like oh, my mom and I, yeah, it was like not the best day, but like, <laughs> it's of- really hard when you go see to a doctor for like a really big thing yeah. and the doctor walks in and they're hot and you're like what the hell man like it was so hot and I was like oh my god you're wearing cowboy but like it was so horrible but I appreciate it because I'm like <laughs> in such a dark spot but yeah. then I'm like suddenly this like hot guy just walks through and I'm just like, he's a doctor. And then I'm like, you have cowboy boots on. He's like, yeah, I'm from Austin. And this is before I moved to Austin. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. He's like, yeah, <laughs> they can't, I might be here in New Mexico. They cannot take my cowboy boots. Um, oh my gosh. But he, you know, he went through some options, which I'll be honest now. Um, I wish I would have maybe acted on sooner as far as freezing eggs and doing things like that. Um again, it gets down to you're young and everything costs a lot of money and that's not cheap. Um, but, uh, so we had our talk, he went through some like options and crazy options. Um, and I ended up having them removed laparoscopically and had a nice recovery. Um, and they were able to keep a little piece of my ovary, But during that time, and they went in, um, it had been about almost a year since the massive one um, and the scar tissue had gotten insane because that tumor was so large and they had scraped off so much off the wall of my stomach, which it was weird. I still, it felt like something was there, but it was just the scar tissue. Right. Um, Right. And so they told me that the tube was completely taken by scar tissue it was still there but they were just like you know the likelihood of you becoming pregnant naturally is slim to none and I'm like okay but again I'm still thinking my mom like you never know women get told all the time even with one ovary you can't have children one of Um, my one of my best friends uh when we were in college she had to get her whole I think it was her left one removed. Uh, it was the size of a softball. They had to take the whole ovary and tube out. She has two beautiful kids now. Like just yeah, half. Yeah. Again. So it happens. It definitely <laughs> Again. happens. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they did it. I recovered um, and then just continued the follow-up. Um, didn't have any more growth. So it was, um, it was, it was good. Um, followed up every three months with just like, blood work they do a ca125 which does your cancer levels uh vaginal ultrasound as well as regular ultrasound just to make sure um different scans whatnot 
and uh, then three months moved to six months and then thankfully I got to a year and they put me on birth control so I hate pills anyways even though I know I have to take them but they put me on birth controls because before I didn't have a period they thought I had this tumor for well clearly like years and years and years um, and possibly what was happening in high school and college and it just somehow kicked into gear later on in college and grew Mm -hmm. and so that's probably why I wasn't having periods so once I stopped or once I got that out um, they put me on that to just kind of regulate me and kind of calm things down Um, and having a period again was kind of a blessing and a curse it was a blessing because I knew I was pretty good as long as I was having a period I wasn't having like the symptoms I had had before and in the past, no period was not a good sign. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you have, who wants a period? (laughs) (laughs) That's why I loved my IUD, man. Like that was the best birth control I was ever on. I don't really care for birth control, but that like, you're right. Who wants to have. Well, so, and I had asked for one when that, I was like, Oh, can I get that in like five years? And like, you know, and they were like, no, I couldn't because of the scar tissue. They were worried that it would attach and it wouldn't. It wouldn't, yeah. Coming from somebody who had to get it surgically removed, it's, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. That's a whole other story for another day. Basically, my doctor ignored me um, and wouldn't take it out during one of my surgeries. And then I had to come back three months later to have it surgically yeah. removed because see? she wouldn't do it. Right. Oh, uh, see, I've, I've heard hit and miss stories on those. So I'm like. So yeah, I did the pill and, and it helped. Um, and, but the, the, also the thing is, and kind of goes back to what you said, Nikki is I start moving on with life, right? It's like, okay, what does life go back? And actually let me back up. I give a shout out to Williamson County indigent program <laughs> for, <laughs> because I had no health insurance and they actually, with the help of my mom and me filing, they covered like $50,000 worth of money. Oh, they covered wow. my surgery. Wow. Um, yeah. Is that again? Just in case anybody's <laughs> listening. <laughs> yeah. The the city or the counties uh, for mine was Williamson. And so it's like I went and gave them my paperwork, no insurance, you know, and they really kind of worked with me on getting me some type of coverage. Um, so that was awesome. But so you go forward with trying to live your life, but then and I, I'm so like proud of myself of what I've come through, but I'm still young. You know, I was having those body image like issues more than ever because I have these scars. I was wondering about I that. I look like I've been like, like carved open, and the like uh, the laparoscopic, you know, or like little. I have. Stab. So, I have so yeah, many I have those. I have I like have... four, four or five sets of those on my belly. Yeah. All in different places. You think they'd go in the same place every time? Like- I ask them, especially. I'm like, can y'all use it? And this last time they did a little bit, but they're like, oh, we need this side, this this side. I have. I think the last time I counted my stomach, it was around nine or ten with the large one too. So, um, but it's that fear of I have it, which is great, but it's the fear of coming back. It's the fear of like I have this still in me. And every time I had to go get the blood work or the, you know, checkup it, or had the smallest symptom, right. it's like, oh crap, it's back. And I tend it, to do that now. Like anytime, some, I think I was telling Heather the other day, like my old, like I've been getting back pain again and here mm-hmm. I am going back like 
it's coming back. Like why, yeah. what did, should I have taken? Like I go through this cycle every month when I start getting pain again, I'm like, did I do something mm-hmm. wrong? Do I need to figure it out? It's a it's, constant battle. It's hard no, to stay out of your head. So I have a question then if, if you had the one and then you had on the other side, do they tell you how likely or what the chances are that, that another one will grow because you've chosen to keep, you know, the, the right ovary, like, is there a, a like higher a chance of it coming back because you've already had one and now two? Yeah. I basically had a, at one point it was a 50, 50 chance. And then I think it got a little bit higher, but it was definitely always, a. It was always brought up of like, you have to stay on top of this and we have to, you know, do your well woman exam and everything every year. Um, and don't miss your lab work because it can come back. And the thing about it is like ovarian cancer is one of the silent women, uh, killers of women. And so many people are misdiagnosed and it breaks my heart that I think just within the last few months, I read somebody a uh, female also 20s same story and it's crazy when I'm opening magazines or looking online and I see girls and women going through exactly what I was, went through you know 15 years ago or so and it's just like we're still how is this still happening how is this still happening when we've come so far and it's just like y'all need to like look for all the things you don't want to think it's that but it's like you don't know and it gets to the point where it's like now that they did know we need to stay on top of it and it's all about that uh, preventive care um and so I did that I did that for 13 14 years um had several other surgeries during that time um but during that time did it did you ever get another another mass or tumor Mm -mm. No, thankfully my ovaries stayed good. I definitely had some, uh, a couple of months where they've had to take me off of birth control because I did like a flip where I was bleeding all the time and only had one month or one week of not bleeding. So it was kind of, um, and this, the tumor had was made me anemic because of just, it was living off of me. Um, but up until last year, um, which I've still kind of, you know, forward on to 2021. Um, I had just recovered from back surgery in a year and a half ago and had an incident over the summer where I got hurt. And um, I went for my well woman exam in June and of last year. And I went in normal blood work ultrasounds whatnot and I always try to stay positive but you have that like thought I'm just like I have to prepare myself um and so I went in and I did everything and then they kind of responded pretty fast but all my blood work was high my numbers were high which they hadn't been above the markers I try to stay in the single digits but they were all over marked Um, and so my gynecologist, my physician primary referred me to my gynecologist and my gynecologist, I went in and I think Nikki, you and I talked soon after this, you reached out, which I appreciate. Yeah, because it was right after I had my surgery and she posted it and I was like, I'm going to message her because honestly, for me, 
I wish I, 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 I was a bunch of communities that I belong to, but just knowing somebody pers- personally to be like, yeah. Hey, what did you do? So that's why I reached out to you. I was like, if you have any questions? No, I loved it. I know. I really appreciate it. You were one of the first that reached out to me and it was just one of those things of like, it happened so fast. And so I went into my uh, gynecologist and I love her. She's one of the best here, Dr. Nyman here in Austin. Um, and she said, she just looked at everything. She's like, I need a couple more blood tests and, uh, another scan, but I think we're going to, it's time. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, I think we're going to have to do a, a hysterectomy. Um, and I was like, like, just take the ovary out. And she was like, no, we're going to have to like do a full one. Um, and so that was in June. And I that had a hard time. My mom flew in from New Mexico with me. Um, and of course, COVID, you can only take one person in, like whatnot. But just the thought of like, oh my God, here we are again. You know, it's just like. That moment when you're hearing that, because that's also something that I think I called Heather and Haley like crying after my appointment because I was just like, all right, I'm here. Like, it's just, it's almost like defeat, right? Like you thought you were doing all these things and that you would finally get to a point and you're like, fuck, like, why did I just, what was I waiting? Part of my, my, in my healing or my trying to work through, it was like, what the Mm -hmm. fuck was I waiting for? Like, why did I put myself through all of this for so many years when I could have just did it? But again, you have in the back of your mind, this idea of having children or you're a woman, if you still have it, all these parts, but you, I think back of all the time that I've lost or things that I've put my body through all because in a way I was selfish for that. Mm -hmm. And I had passed that because I was so angry with myself. uh, I don't necessarily think I would say it's selfish. I think it's more of maybe a little bit being in denial and like accepting, like, once I do this, what will that leave me with? Right. How will I feel? But I don't, I don't, I don't think you should feel like you were ever selfish mm-hmm. for waiting. I think it was, it, it needed to happen in its time and you needed to have been prepared, right? Mentally, emotionally, physically to handle everything that comes with having a hysterectomy or a partial hysterectomy. Right. So I don't want you to ever feel like you were ever selfish in that because you honestly are one of the least selfish people I know. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you should ever feel that about that situation it was a a day of that and then I think I eventually but it is it's kind of like what what Kelly's saying it's like you had these I you know you had these Kelly you had these options to do it two other times and you just Mm -hmm. kept holding on holding on so the angst of that I could feel it like yeah it's just that okay like I have no choice this is it you know it's one of those like I did good I fought as long as I could you have those like missed opportunities of like how did I run out of time but you've had plenty of time you know it's just life gets away from you like everything yep I did the whole cycle as well it's like a freaking emotional mental roller coaster um and so so yeah I ended up getting referred to Texas Oncology um right before um my birthdays and whatnot um and so I had to of course they're busy so I had to wait a couple months and get in in August and uh, had an amazing doctor but she also agreed um, that there was really nothing basically taken um, my ovary again and they wanted to remove it so they did and you know it's one of those I 
I still grieve on days. I still have my good days, my bad days, but it just, you know, Mother's Day this year was the first time since. And there's just certain things that haven't gotten to me that have gotten to me since. Right. Um, that's, that's a good thing because I find myself in moments where I'll have, they diagnosed me with grief reaction after, shortly after mine because just how I was, because I didn't, I didn't process anything. I was just kind of moving through the motions, but you do get those those moments where you're like, this didn't really bother me before, but why is it bothering me now? So I don't think that's ever going to necessarily go away. I just think that I'm going to learn to live and sit in it. Yeah. And I have, you know, I told my parents and I think it made them feel bad. I was just like, you know, Josh, and then we'll be able to give you babies and you'll just have Monroe, my fur baby, you know, and they, you know, went into that whole thing of like, you know, you don't have to have baby, you know, it's like, we love you no matter what, but it was just, it was that, it was definitely that moment. I remember sitting in the parking lot after all of it, like, this is real. Again, I have no choice. I have to do what I have to do. And people are funny. They're like, they tell you that they're like, you have no choice. It's all about, and I'm like, I know this. <laughs> right. Right. Like, get off my ass. Like, I appreciate y'all thinking you have to tell me, but I like, it would be stupid not to like, I know um, I think in those times too, you know, a lot of people don't know what to say. I mean, I think back yeah. like, to my mom and, and I know she means well, but like one of the things she said to me in one of my, like one of my surgeries, I just really hope that you get to experience what it's like to be a mom or have kids. And I'm like, I understand where it's coming from, but it's, it's not like what yeah. I want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the, that's I mean, I definitely feel like it's hard to know what to say to somebody, um, but there are so many wrong things to say. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like if you don't really know what to say, then you just say, I'm sorry this happened to you. Yeah, or right. I'm sorry you're going through this. Yeah, there's right. no, there's no reason to try to comfort relate. If you can't relate, there's no reason to like, just keep it simple and say, I'm so sorry you're having to go through this. Yeah. I think my favorite one is, well, you didn't really want kids, did you? Oh and I'm like, God. just because I don't advertise the fact doesn't mean I didn't want it. Yeah, that's just assuming people know you. I mean, I've heard, I mean, like I said, I haven't had to have an organ, you know, removed or anything, but, you know, we, we've we struggled with infertility. We did IVF, we did IUIs um, and none of it worked. And so just the things that I've heard, yeah. Um, I can't even imagine like the things that you've heard and it just, it shocks me, but it doesn't shock me. And I'm just right. like, did you, do you hear yourself? What you just said? Like, can right. we they not still have that? the small minds of like, you have to have children by this age and what right. you're married, what you're like, you right. that yes. what do we call it? Like the generational, like rules you have to yeah. You're supposed to get married so long, then you get engaged, then you get married, then you buy the house, have kids, and it just adds to those like, and it shouldn't, but it adds to that feeling of you're a failure at like you're not, or your body failed you. Yeah, you're not like you, and I'm just like okay. Yeah. You know, been, your own track. Yeah, and there's been moments too. And I'm like, can we celebrate my career? Like I've worked my ass off. Like, why right. are you talking about what I'm doing? You know, the moves I've made for myself and that, or let's talk about like the, you know, the things, the life that I built with myself, you yeah. know, like 
there's there's all these other things that I I don't think we give enough recognition to when it comes to women. And we're still as a society, we're starting to talk about it more, but still as a society, that's the one thing that always comes up. Do you have any do you have children? I that question all the time. Do you, are, you mar- are you married and do you yeah. have children? I'm like, no, or when are you gonna have kids? No, what you just made me think of, and I'm a huge Sex in the City fan. I freaking love Sex in the City. But there's an episode where Carrie Bradshaw, Sarah Jessica Parker's character, um, there's a whole episode and she talks about like just because I don't have kids, I don't get celebrated, I don't get this, I don't get that. And so it was a whole other side topic about she ended up at a baby shower and her shoes got stolen. <laughs> and the girl wouldn't replace them and so at the end of the episode she sends like a registry and it's like i'm marrying myself i and remember where i'm registered yeah and i didn't appreciate this episode years ago when i watched it but like re-watching it now as like a you know late 30s mm-hmm. i'm like yes like why why are you not celebrated for the career why are you not celebrated for the house why are you not celebrated or anything else that you're doing if it doesn't involve getting married or having babies. Right. Because men are. Yeah. I just saw this thing yeah. on Facebook. Somebody shared. He's like, I'm going to start throwing myself showers. Got a new apartment shower. Here's my registry. You know, stock my bar. I just bought a house. Let's stock my bar. Like, why aren't we doing things like that? I mean, I know they do housewarmings and all that, but like, come on. <laughs> hey, any, any reason to celebrate or, you know, party I'm in. Right? Same. <laughs> But no, I, I definitely agree with it's yes. If you're a woman and you're in your thirties, you know, marriage babies, and that's all people ever ask you about. And it, it's, it's very, it's very strange to have the, those be the questions that are asked in 2022. Like, why are we still here? Mm-hmm. And that's where I get confused too. Cause I expect it from the older generation because they're not as like woke or like paying attention to all these I things. I love it. You just said woke. I did too. But, like, <laughs> but they're not like privy to the stuff that we are in that right. sense. But like, it's when the younger generation does it. Like, I appreciate the fact that if I run into somebody who I haven't talked to, or if somebody reaches out to me on Facebook, they never really ask me. And I'm, I'm I, I have been vocal, but not vocal enough where I think people know, but it doesn't come down to like, oh, when are you guys having kids? And I'm also going, I'm going to get to a certain age that they're going to stop asking that question, right? <laughs> um, we've talked about this before, but one of my favorite stories is that I had to text Heather the next day because I'm just tired of being asked. And we were at the lake house and some woman, um, you had a friend over or whatever. And she asked me if I had any kids. And what did I, my response? No, was, she said, she said, do you have any kids? And you said, no. And she said, when are you going to have oh, kids? And I, I said, said well, I don't have a uterus, so never. <laughs> my frogs. And the next day, Nikki asked me, like, oh. was that too much or was that inappropriate? And my response, I believe, was, fuck no, she shouldn't have asked. <laughs> so that's how don't I don't ask know. questions if you don't want the answer. <laughs> I don't have a womb, so never. <laughs> I love it. No, I actually had an awkward moment that day before I went in to have the the mass this larger tumor removed I'm always I love my nails um and all about like me time more than ever and so I was going I had to get my nails soaked off because you know they were like not allowed to have now they allow now they'll let now they will yeah my first surgery they told me nothing no lotion like nothing 
I was, I, like, I was like, I can't wear makeup. Like, yeah. Well, just me, not lotion. I'm like, I can't moisturize. What? Um, and so I had to go take my nails off. Well, I have like, again, and I get it. And like, I looked pregnant. I had the stomach, you know, I was solid. Like if you felt it, it was just solid. So, I mean, I get it, but it just, it goes back to even people who carry weight in their stomach in that awkward, especially older people and, or just guys like, Oh, what are you do? Or you're pregnant. And it's like, no. And so she came, I was getting my nails done and she was like, Oh, what are you do? You're pregnant, all this stuff, you know? And I'm just like, how do you, you know? And so I was just like, no, it's a tumor. And she was just like, and then didn't talk to me the rest of the time. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, well, the thing is, like, like if somebody's going to, my, my thing to that is if somebody's going to ask a personal question, which yeah. that is a personal question. Mm-hmm. If somebody's going to ask you a personal question, they deserve any answer you're going to give back. And why do I have to feel awkward and uncomfortable? You ask the question, mm-hmm. you're going to be the one that's going to, because at least then maybe something will click where they won't do it again. Do it again. Oh yeah. It's definitely one of those, I call it my mic dropped moments. It's like, I will either drop the mic on you or kill you with kindness. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> It's just like, because again, you tell them and it usually will shut them up. Right. Because they're like, oh, and I'm like, okay, rethink that next time. Mm -hmm. Yes. You don't always know. Like, and again, it's, it's just a thought of in the future, maybe you won't ask the question because you don't know and you'll spare some hurting somebody else's feelings. Like I used to cry when people, oh my gosh, when we first started trying to have a baby after that first year. And people would ask like, oh my gosh, when are you guys going to start trying to have a baby? Oh. I would just cry hysterically. And they would just like stand there and like stare. And I, I mean, it didn't matter where we were or who, especially after our miscarriage, I would just cry and like uncontrollably. And I'm like, I don't think that they're going to ask anybody that question again. But like thinking back now, like I can't imagine just being somewhere and somebody just like bawling hysterically <laughs> because yeah. I asked them a question. I was always just rude about it. Like, even like, I always, like I said, they kind of always knew that it would, wouldn't be an option for me, but like people might, and my sister used to get upset. She's like, Nick, stop telling people that. I'm like, well, they shouldn't be asking me. Like people like, when are you, when are you and John going to start having kids? I'm like, I can't have kids. Like, I would just say, we can't have kids. Like I would just flat out. (laughs) That's what I would do. I would just be like, I can't have kids even before I lost everything. It's just like, I can't. And it's just like, that way it's just mm-hmm. stop it just ends the conversation because then you don't yeah. want to go through well we've been trying for this long like you know like even having those types of conversations so mm-hmm. yeah no I say we we tried we got pregnant we had a miscarriage IVF didn't work yeah what now and, and it's just it's so silly and and sad also that we have to even tell mm-hmm. like you know what I mean it's just like no Nikki I'll never I don't have a uterus so I never that is great <laughs> such an asshole (laughs) that's my but yeah so all right so you go in you have now that we've like joked around about this (laughs) you've gone in you had the surgery so how's how is how had your recovery so again you were this was just last year right yeah I'm I'm just thinking about this month after I go I go back to Texas oncology next month yeah it'll be a year next month um, and also 15 years since the original, um, 
but yeah, recovery went well. It, you know, it was one of those things, Nikki, as you know, like the fall before I was stretching um, and doing stuff, I ended up breaking my back, had just put up with too much pain and didn't realize it, but my back had ruptured um, and lost oh in my sciatica. So it was like, I had just had back surgery, thought all this was fine, you know, did, had another incident over the summer with a burn. And then when this came in, can I just um, interrupt this whole time? I'm oh, yeah. and I follow you on Facebook, and I just saw all this. I'm like, this poor woman. <laughs> like, Holy crap! Like, <laughs> you went on vacation with the burns, didn't you? Yeah. So July first of last year, I actually got uh, first and second degree burns on from um, the top of my hip all the way down my right leg and on the top of both my feet. Uh, boiling water at the highest level my boyfriend was cooking in the kitchen and um I came down he boils in the front it's a whole story but anyways um I came down and accidentally knocked it because I was in a hurry on lunch and even with pants on it just burned me so um I went to I went to the ER and then I spent like three months in the burn unit like once a week in San Antonio because that's the closest burn unit, um, trying to not, you know, have wrinkly skin and grow back my new skin, um, which comes back great. It looks fabulous for what it was. Um, but that was July 1st and July 6th is my birthday. And, um, I had it, I had been planning stuff, but I also knew this medical stuff was happening. And so I was just kind of in a mood of like, I need to celebrate because I like, Anytime something's coming up, I know I'm about to be on downtime or you never know what you're going to be told. And so I was like, we don't have plans. We have to do something. So like me and four of my girlfriends went to Vegas for like four days, was on Magic Mike Live because I was handicapped. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it got me a free ticket because I met the recruiter for Magic Mike. I love the hair flip. Stop it. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Uh, because we were both handicapped and we met on the plane because we were both having leg issues. But yeah, I had this trip planned and I'm like, are you kidding me? And so they did what they have to do for a burn, which is unbelievable. And uh, I asked them as they wrapped me and all this stuff, I have to keep my leg elevated, um, can't really walk on it a whole lot and can't really even fit my feet into shoes. I bought Crocs for the first time because that's the only thing that could fit my feet. <laughs> and I go, well, okay, so I have this Vegas trip coming up and they're just like, okay. And I said, can I get released to go? And they said, okay, you know, but if you go, we're gonna send you with like the pads and the ointments and the wraps and you just have to stay wrapped and elevated. I'm like, okay, how am I gonna keep my leg elevated? and you know, so I got all the gear, like the, the hook, you know, to hook your leg up in the airplane. And then I rented a scooter. I got oh a scooter God. with a basket in Vegas, uh, <laughs> which carried all of our purses. It was great. And just rolled around with my leg propped up and um, a couple of drunk guys stopped me and thought it was really cool that I had a scooter. And they were like, oh, where'd you get that? That's so cool. <laughs> oh and it carries God. your drinks. And I'm just like, okay <laughs> but yeah so it was just you know it was crazy but again it's one of those things of like you never know what's going to happen and so it's right. like if I can get if I can go and do it I'm going to do it because I knew 
I also had a North Carolina trip for my friend's birthday and I came back and I knew right when I came back was going to be that meeting with the doctor. And I'm like, I just, I want to, you try to live your life as much as you can with, you know, in those good times. And I also know that when that stuff comes up, there's a good chance I'll be recovering for six to eight weeks or, you know, you never know. So you got to jump on it when you can. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love your outlook on life. I freaking love it. And I wish that I was like that. I just love it. Like if I had been burned, there's not a chance in hell I would have gone to Vegas. I would have cried and sulked and, you know, had my little depression for that. But I love that you're like, fuck it, I'm going. And I'm going and I'm getting the, the thing. I'm going to hang my leg up and I'm getting the scooter and I'm doing this. So yeah, there's a, I appreciate I just there's love a, that. There's a picture there. Uh, I was like, send this home, back home, but we're in front of like the concert hall or whatever on Fremont Street. And I'm in the scooter and my legs propped up and it's all wrapped. And I have like my gigantic like shoe, you know, I can't wear two shoes. So it's a whole fashion statement and a huge, you know, tower full of liquor. And I'm just leaning back. It looks like, you know, my legs kicked up. I'm just leaning back, like living my best life, my little scooter. <laughs> I love it. See, I, I love it. I just, your outlook on life and how you're able to just be so positive and fun mm-hmm. about everything you've been through. I, it's, I don't even know how to, like, I don't know what to say about it, but I, I love it. I love all of it. And I'm very sorry for everything that you've been through. Like, holy crap. You've, yeah. you've been through it, but just your, your outlook on life, it's just so positive and it just, radiates happiness. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, it's been a roller coaster, but you know, do what I can and definitely have those low moments, but I have to just think of like everything I've gone through, you know, and things could have been so much worse. So yes, do what I can. Definitely could have been worse. And I think the fact that you're able to sit here with smiles and these jokes and it's, it's, I love it. I've been like, I'm, my face hurts because I've been smiling this whole time. <laughs> I know. I just, you have a personality that is um, very welcoming and very just, okay. I want to say fun. Like, yeah. so it's, it's to know everything you've been through and to see you here, you know, people can't see you, but we can. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, you're smiling and you light up and you would never know what you've been through based on seeing you it's also another side of the outcome of traumas of what can happen like you can move forward or you can stay and you've clearly like move forward of course you're going to have your moments as you said but having this outlook on life and allowing you to continue you know enjoying it is 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 refreshing and contagious yeah (laughs) I I totally agree and I you know it's we're dealt with crazy times and cards you know that we're dealt with sometimes aren't always in our favor so I just try to learn from them and appreciate it um but yeah like I said there's definitely a lot of tears have been shed and a lot of dark moments where I'm just like I just have no idea you know very lost Mm -hmm. um but I have my tribe and I'm always big and I tell I have a friend that's going through some of her first surgeries ever in life and really scared and overwhelmed and I'm like just 
stop thinking of all the people and just get together your tribe, like the tribe mm -hmm. of friends, family, both in my case, that will be there. You know, you're, I usually say at least five people that you can share that, that know that will be there for you day and night. Um, because I've, I've had to count on them, you know, in the middle of the night or cry sesh or whatever. Um, it's, it's good to have a tribe behind you. Um, and I'm very thankful to have a, a good support system behind me to help me through all those times. Um, but this fall when I had the full hysterectomy and, and recovered and everything, um, it took a while. I pretty much cried for several months after it just, it's, it that was going to be because I want to be mindful of time. So I had two more questions for you is how yeah. obviously I know how my recovery was, but I'd be interested to hear how how yours was, um, because for me, it was it was almost shock at first. Like, I couldn't believe that I actually did it. And like what I was very scared of what was going to happen. But then I was focused on, you know, what if this still happens? What if I still have pain? What if I have mm -hmm. this? Like I was very much in there and I never looked at the outcome of, you know, for me, I have been able to regulate my hormones. I've lost weight. I didn't see this side of it. And looking back, I'm happy that I did it. So did you, how was that first like coming out of it and going through it? Uh, It was okay. It's, I would forget about it almost. Um, it didn't seem real. Um, and then when I did, it was kind of hard to accept. Um, I started pelvic floor therapy and did that as much as possible. A lot of women don't know about it. Of course, I just know from my mom, um, even my doctors were kind of surprised that I was like, okay, I would like to do this, this, and this. And they're like, what? I'd never heard of it until Nikki did it. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the therapies for anybody that's listening I would recommend to anybody who's even just, even if you've had a kid or if you, ha if you have any oh. issues, definitely work on your pelvic floor. Like it did help me tremendously. I mean, it didn't Absolutely. cure me, but just oh. the walls down there and how it all works. That is also the first time I learned that your hip muscle can only be accessed like vaginally. Like I didn't know that. That was interesting to me. I well. didn't know that either. <laughs> What? The funniest, right? The funniest text message I think I ever sent to my sister, and I sent it to Heather and Haley after I got out of mine. And I was like, I showed up. I thought I was just having a consultation. And she's like, Oh, so they bring out like this diagram. They're like, We're gonna here, here, and here. We're gonna go for your hip muscle. And she's like, I'm gonna go in. I'm like, You're what? And she tests your muscles. She's yeah. like sitting there, and she's like, Okay, squeeze. Okay, squeeze. And I'm just like, I thought we were just gonna talk. Like, right. I was so happy I shouted. And I'm now like, we're so very close. Oh, I was so glad. Yeah, I grew up. I was, I was good. Um, but yeah, I went through that and that's good. If you have, you know, bladder control issues, if you're, um, you know, have been traumatized in any sexual, physical way, um, birth, hysterectomies, it's, it does wonders for everything, scar tissue, all that. Um, but I went through that and um, followed up with my doctor. I went and recovered with my dad for three weeks, um, which was really good. I think it helped to just, I called in my mom and dad and they're divorced, but I just, after everything, I was like, I can't, I like emotionally could not. So they scooped me up and they did great. Um, and I got the all clear, like to, to continue to go on. Um, and they were able during that of there's nothing else that needed to be done 
but they found a zoonotiche and are familiar with endometriosis, which I've had polycystic ovarian syndrome. I've had a lot of the things, but endometriosis is one of the most painful things. Yes. Um, I was going to ask you too, because in, in all of the stuff that you were going through, did they ever look for that when they opened you up? They should have, they were in there. Yeah. They have, yeah, they have in the past and there's been little parts, but not really in this one had really flown up. Um, and one of the things, uh, it can also flag like your blood work levels can skyrocket because of that. Um, and so I thought I was done, you know, I'm like, okay, cool. No ovaries, no ovarian cancer. Um, but because there has been a, a chance in history, um it's there's still I guess options or ways I'm not sure so I still the the treatment right now is um did physical therapy my pelvic floor and then follow up every year just to make sure you know nothing has done anything even though I don't have any parts (laughs) right but but it's it's been it's been good good and my one other question before I turn it over to Heather is yeah. um, for those who are listening and who have kind of struggled with female issues, you know, one of my favorite questions to ask is if you could go back and tell yourself about, you know, whether it's doctor's appointments or being vocal or just, you know, figuring it out, what is one of the things that you would advise people to do if they're feeling uncomfortable or if they have any issues? Um. I would definitely say that doctors are not always right. Um, second opinions are important. Um, so if you if you get an answer and you still feel like no, this feel you know second opinions are okay. Um, another thing I would tell myself is you did good. You made the right decisions. You know, there's times where I'm like, why did I keep this just to be scared on a daily basis? Like, but now that I'm have had all that removed and I'm post-surgical menopause which is different than natural menopause it's like a little bit more brutal but it um you know that kicked in within like two months of my surgery a I full might blast your brain at, like menopause. I might to you after yeah that because- and so I I do treatments on that now where I get pellets hormone pellets uh every three months and I've been on that I just had my third round and those have been good to kind of keep because I was totally out of whack. I mean, I cried at everything and it really has affected like my weight gain. I had lost a lot of weight and so I gained some more of it in the stomach, just not being able to do do a lot. But what it does when you don't have those parts and menopause, it messes up with your, you know, mentally what you're thinking and just your whole body chemistry that's kind of what I'm afraid of because I'm considering talking about my ovaries next and that's one of the things I'm afraid of so I would probably end up reaching out to you soon yeah ask you about that I definitely I definitely think you know if you're if you're really young if you absolutely have to have a full hysterectomy or radical hysterectomy you know do what you have to do to to save you and to make you healthy Um, But I'm so happy and I tell my mom this all the time for really talking me through that and like being there when I was 25 and 26, like Kelly, you really do not want to go through menopause. Like you do not want to put your body because me right now, 39 and 40, I'm just like, (laughs) that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, You know, 
but there I I feel like I'm in a better place to handle it now where I I don't know if I could have handled it you know younger younger Kelly so um you know I've learned a lot and so it's just be gentle with yourself and as much as I thought you know it was horrible you know I'm really proud of myself for holding on for 14 years, you know, trying to hold on to as much as it, as I could until I absolutely just cut it. Wow. Okay. Well, I have one final question for you. What is the one thing that you used to apologize for in the past that you are unlikely to apologize for now? I would say saying sorry when I can't be somewhere or attend or do something. Um, I take more time of me time, me days, hashtag selfish. <laughs> I've had my hashtag selfish years, um, but it's just, I'm a very outgoing and social person. I put my medical and my things on the back burner sometimes. Um, and so, and I think most women and a lot of people do, right. Whether it's family, kids, your work, you know, I've always been very career driven and want to have all these goals. And sometimes you just have to stop and say, you know what, like my mental health, my emotional health, my physical health is more important. And they will understand that. And those people who don't understand that don't need to be around and you don't need that. But I just, I felt like I would have to say sorry for not being that outgoing Kelly or having those bad moments. Cause it's true. I'm usually like this <laughs> and, but there's times where I'm not, you know, and if I'm not smiling, they're like, Oh my God, what's wrong. And it's just like, you know, just having a day or, you know, I'm fine, but just not having to apologize that I'm not doing well or that I can't be the best Kelly that day. Um, right. Just letting myself be whoever I can be that day with whatever energy level I have to put out. I like that. That's a good one. That's good. Yeah. All right. Take time for yourself. It's very important. Yes. Very important. Very important. All right. Well, this was great. Um, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Uh, I loved it. Thanks for having me, ladies. Yes. Thank fun. you so much for, for sharing um, your story with us. I learned a lot about things that I didn't, I didn't know about. And as a woman, I feel like I should know. So I thank you for sharing yeah. with us. You're welcome. Very welcome. All right. Well, um, I guess this is it. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.